Welcome back, listeners, to Sandman Stories Presents. Here are three more stories from the Book of Yoruba Legends by M.I. Ogamifu. In the first story, the people find out that the successor to a powerful man is just a fraud. In the second, a wise woman saves her people with her wits. And in the third story, we learn why the bat is friends with no one. And a word that you should know, Orisha is a spirit that plays a key role in the Yoruba religion of West Africa. Okay, story number one, Orisha Oko. Orisha Oko was a poor hunter, solitary save for his fife and his dog. If he ever lost his way out in the fields or in the forest, he would begin to play some plaintive melody on his fife, and the sounds would lead the faithful dog to his side to guide him home. He earned a meager living by trapping in his nets guinea fowls on the lands of rich farmers. But because of his solitary life and his habit of silence, he was respected as a man possessed of secret knowledge, which he did not care to divulge. As years went by, he grew too old for hunting and took up residence in a cave. People now thought him more mysterious than ever and came to him for advice about the future, so that in a short time he won great renown as a soothsayer. From far and near, people came to consult him, and in this way he managed to live very comfortably. In those days, witchcraft was punished by death, and it became the custom in the country that anyone suspected of the evil art should be dragged to Orisha Oko's cave. If the soothsayer found him innocent, he led him forth by the hand, but if he were judged guilty, his head was cut off and thrown into the waiting crowd by the demon Polo, which Orisha Oko kept in the cave. This went on until the old hunter's death. His followers now wished to continue the practice, and so they hid in the cave a very strong man to act as the demon Polo. When anyone accused of witchcraft was brought to the cave, his head was usually cut off and thrown out as before. However, it once happened that a very tall and muscular man was suspected of magic arts, and his accusers succeeded in dragging him to the cave. A large crowd waited with eagerness to learn the result. What was their dismay to see the head of the supposed demon come rolling out of the cave, for the strong man had proved too much for him and soon reappeared unharmed and triumphant. The people were indignant to learn how they had been deceived, and from that day, the cave of Orisha Oko was deserted. The end. Okay, and story number two, Moremi. A noble man of the Ile'ife had a beautiful and virtuous wife named Moremi and a handsome young son named Ila. The country of the Ifes was at that time subject to fierce raids by a tribe called the Ibo who were of such an uncanny appearance in battle that the Ifes thought them not human, but a visitation sent by the gods in punishment for some evil. In vain did they offer sacrifices to the gods. The raids of these strange beings continued, and the land was thrown into a state of panic. Now the heroic Moremi, desiring to bring an end to this condition of affairs, resolved to let herself be captured during one of the raids so that she might be carried prisoner to the land of the Ibos and learn all of their secrets. Bidding farewell to her husband and her little son, 
She went to a certain stream and promised the god of the stream that, if her attempt was successful, she would offer to him the richest sacrifice she could afford. As she had planned, she was captured by the Ebos and carried away to their capital as a prisoner. On account of her beauty, she was given to the king of the Ebos as a slave. And on account of her intelligence and noble heart, she soon gained the respect of all and rose to a position of importance. Before she had been in the country very long, she had learnt all the secrets of her enemies. She found that they were not gods but ordinary men. On going into battle, they wore strange mantles of grass and bamboo fiber, and this accounted for their unnatural appearance. She also learned that because of these mantles of dry grass, they were very much afraid of fire, and that if the Ifes were to rush among them with lighted torches, they would quickly be defeated. As soon as it was possible, she escaped from the palace and from the territory of the Ibo, and returned to her own people. Her tidings were joyfully received at Ile Ife, and shortly afterwards the Ibos were utterly defeated by the trick Moremi had suggested. Moremi now went to the stream and made a great sacrifice of sheep, owls, and bullocks. But the god of the stream was not satisfied and demanded the life of her son. Sorrowing, Moremi was forced to consent and sacrificed the handsome boy, Ila. The Ifes wept to see this sad spectacle and they promised to be her sons and daughters forever to make up for her loss. But lo, Ila, as he lay upon the ground, was only half dead and when the people had departed, he recovered consciousness and sprang up. Making a rope of grass, he climbed up to heaven, and it is certain that he will someday return to reap the benefits of his mother's noble sacrifice. The End Okay, and story number three, the bat. The bat is half a bird and half a rodent, and lives partially on the earth and partially in the air. But both rats and birds shun him, and this is why. The rats, his cousins, were once fighting a great battle with the birds, and bat fought in their midst. But when he saw that the birds were likely to be victorious, he left the rats and flew up into the air to fight on the side of the birds. Both the rats and the birds were disgusted at this cowardly action, so they ceased from fighting one another and all combined to attack the bat. Since that day, he has been forced to hide in dark places all day and only comes out in the evening when his enemies cannot see him. The End Okay, in that first story, the demon Polo chopping off heads and heads rolling out, and I was kind of a little bit confused. I'll have to do more research on this, but Orisha Oko was doing stuff with the demon Polo, but he was not doing witchcraft. It just kind of threw me off. I'll have to read up more on it. I'm not a Yoruba expert. And in the second story, I loved how Moremi solved the problem with her intelligence and was awesome. And I just felt bad that she had to sacrifice her son. 
but then he wasn't quite dead, but then he climbed up to heaven anyway. It was also nice to hear the Igbo make an entrance into the story. Uh, I've got some Igbo friends, and it's always interesting to learn about their culture. And finally, learning about the bats, kind of switching back and forth between sides and everybody stopping fighting and going, wow, bats, you really are terrible. Let's all attack the bats. That was interesting. Okay, and the podcast shout-out is to the Z1 Podcast. This is a wonderful podcast run by Aaron, and he calls out for people to submit zombie sounds. So he's using zombie sounds from listeners, from people who send stuff in, and it's an interesting twist on the zombie story because it's a husband and wife who are just waiting and waiting, and hopefully the Zeds, the zombies, hopefully they'll go away, but... They have all these little mini episodes of, oh, the zombies are over here, the zombies are over there. What are we going to do? How are we going to solve this? It's fun. It's a fun little escape. And the episodes are not too long. They're about 10 to 15 minutes, which is perfect if you are tired of these two-hour epic podcasts that sometimes just take up too much brain energy. So go and give Z1, that's Z-E-D-1, podcast a listen and if you like it as much as i do go and give it a five-star rating on Podchaser, good pods or itunes and my listener shout out is to trinidad and tobago two cool islands in the caribbean and my friend kershell of the scam kings podcast is a listener there so she probably accounts for all of my listens but i just wanted to give a shout out to trinidad and tobago i really hope to visit there someday thank you And good night.